Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sacred Space Podcast. My name is Gina Stockton, and I am so delighted that you are joining me today. My pal, my buddy, my friend, my brother, Justin Hepner, is in the house. He has been on several episodes because he is uh, just an amazing guy with a lot of wisdom, tremendous heart for the body of Christ and for people. And we wanted to have a conversation about spiritual community. What is healthy community? We're living in a post-COVID in some ways post-Christian world and the church, Big C, is having to reimagine and relearn what it looks like to live in spiritual community. So this one was rich. We broke it up into two parts. So I really encourage you to grab a journal, take some notes, grab some coffee, (laughs) and sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the sacred space. Yeah, the last time um, we chatted, it was you, Norm, and I, and we were talking about Dwell before we released uh, Dwell Volume 1, but I wanted to have you back. You are uh, my partner in crime and one of my favorite ministry partners, and I love, you're a deep well, I say that a lot, but you are, and um, I have a lot of respect for you, and you're leading... um, Newcom Church and Vista, and Newcom's been on a journey for the past probably two and a half plus years, longer than that, but especially since COVID of really kind of, you know, we talk a lot about deconstruction in terms of people deconstructing their faith, but Newcom's kind of been on a journey of deconstructing what church looks like and what community looks like and reconstructing kind of what's possible and and in a lot of ways, COVID was a gift in that. It helped that deconstruction in some ways. I'm uh, serving at a church right now that is in a in a different way is facing those same questions. Like, what does it look like, Lord? What are you inviting the church by Church Big C into in this season, this post-COVID world, this um, post-Christian world in a lot of ways? Um, and so I just wanted to have a conversation with you. January 1st, you did a great message really talking about the diversity of the gifts in the body and community and what, what happens when we are willing to come fully into one another's presence to testify about what God is doing in my life, how he's transforming me and my testifying to those things is going to bring transformation and hope and healing to others. And we live in a world in America, you know, Western evangelical world where um, I think, and this is a generalization, but I think there's been a lot of abdicating and a lot of observing and being an audience rather than actually being an active member of a family, the body of Christ and what that looks like. And so, um, so yeah, wherever that leads, whatever little rabbit trails we go down. Yeah, I just a couple of comments on some of where you went. I, I was thinking about the deconstruction thing. And what's fascinating is I, I think I felt and we felt and um, a lot of us together, I can't own it. Um, we felt a lot of like incongruency with what we believed and what we were practicing. Yeah, that's good. And, and I think um, rather than looking at it through the lens of deconstruction, we looked at it through the lens of reform. 
Mm, but, re- but reform meant like letting go of a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And some of those things were things that actually made me feel pretty safe and comfortable. And there were things I was used to. Mm-hmm. And there were things um, in there that, um, you know, maybe I was even receiving undue glory for in church mm. and things like that. That just yeah, it's good. felt kind of like they tasted weird for yeah. me. And uh, so I think we went through the whole gamut of organization and then spiritual community and figured out how to kind of like smash the two together into one spiritual organism. And um, I think we're still on that journey. I think it's going to take a long time. I think we're going to get caught off guard by how comfortable we prefer to be Mm -hmm. um, over and over again. And Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be where it will really be fascinating for us is, uh, not living by these massive declarations about our culture anymore, but making our declaration that we just want to be a community that loves Jesus and be living like Jesus and embodying what he says to do. And I think those are kind of, that's kind of like our, where we find our true north yeah, as a community. Um, and thank God for it. Like it's, it's just going to be a mess sometimes until we get there. Yeah. And to think that the previous model wasn't a mess would be a lie as well. Like it, right. It was a mess as well. And I think God's people, um, there's a tension that's meant to drive us together and drive us to Jesus. And yeah. um, we were looking for tension everywhere else. Yeah, and yeah. We were trying to make ourselves these perfect little box of a church that could judge and, and evaluate everyone else. And I'm like, oh, maybe the scripture is actually excavating us and, and changing <laughs> us and reshaping yeah. us. And, yeah, it's good. And I think that's part of why, to bridge into what you said, um, that's part of why hearing the story of God in each person is so important to see the story played out, to not just hear a cool testimony about someone's life that's 17 degrees separated from us, but what about the people sitting in the same row as us or leading next to me in worship or the other teachers or the people that do more administrative tasks around the church on the org side or those that just show up on a Sunday. Like all of us... um, should have a testifying aspect to our following of Jesus. And I guess um, that's part of what I felt like was being missed and something that needed reform, if you will. And by reform, I mean, we got to figure out how to like mainstream some of these stories, Mm. mainstream some of these like people, if you will, like they've got crazy stories going on in their lives. And here we were in COVID and every church around us was posturing against every movement that was showing up in social media. And right. We're, we're now responding to something secondary to God. We're responding to social media's representation of yeah, the world. So good. And I'm like, well, what about like what God's doing in you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. is there a way that we can yeah. return to that? And I think yeah, that's yeah, what, that's, good. that's what drove us to that mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what does that mean to be a spiritual community? And what kind of voice does that give people? Yeah. Um, and how far in does that welcome them into this idea of uh, churching together? Churching. churching. I like that. Yeah, no, that's good. And, and, I, and I also want to just say that I think that it's, it's easy to, and we do this often, to go down a path and start to sense that, like, hmm, maybe some of these things aren't right. And we tend to 
do a grand pendulum swing and we start to judge the things that we thought we were deciding are wrong. And then we want to, we build what's new on the foundation of we're not that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I'm not, we're not talking about that. Um, because actually that's, that's the, that's the temptation when you're in a, when you're in a place of feeling convicted or you're in a place of examination or you're in a place of, wow, this doesn't feel right anymore. Or man, what I thought this was maybe isn't, um, God's best for his people. Maybe this isn't an expression that's honoring to him. Maybe it's more honoring to the kingdom I want to build versus God's kingdom. And so that there's a sweet conviction in that, but that conviction is to bring repentance and dependence to look at Jesus and go, okay, what are you actually inviting us to? But the temptation can be to run hightail it the other direction and start building things out of offense, judgment, or whatever, you know? So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about here we are post-COVID world in maybe a, a, even a post-Christian world, some would say, um, in America. And what is it, what is Jesus inviting his bride to? And then the other layer of that is what God is uniquely doing at Newcom isn't necessarily going to be replicated at Mountain View Church in San Juan Capistrano or Saddleback Church or, you know, the little church down on the corner. There's a unique expression in each one of God's expressions of community, each uh, congregation, each family. So, yeah, I'm not sure what my conclusion is in that, other than to, to in a way, give a caveat that that the purpose of this conversation isn't to go, oh, we got to not be this, we got to be this. The purpose of this conversation is to, can we explore and ask Jesus what he is inviting us to, and are we willing to sit in the discomfort of that? Yeah. And are we willing to admit maybe I've been holding too tightly to something yeah. that was really purely out of my comfort more than anything else? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so with you. I think um, turning and burning, right? The things that yeah. we don't like, we kind of just turn and burn. Um, and honestly, I think culture um, celebrates and glorifies people that turn and burn. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the heart behind like Facebook shaming and all the madness that happens out yeah. there? Like, we're against this, you know? And... Um, this whole concept of just like making your foundation a re- your foundation is a reaction to something else. And I think it's really important to find the difference difference between uh, reform and activism. It's mm, good. You know, activism would just look at something and get overly activated by it and make a harsh left or right hand turn. Yeah. Based on that thing, um, Jesus actually didn't say that's what we're supposed to be responding to in life. Um, mm. Jesus actually straight up said, "If you hear my teaching." And you obey my commandments. So if you hear it and then do something, you obey it. Yeah. You'll be like a man who built his house on the rock. Hmm. But if you hear my teaching and you do nothing mm-hmm. about it, so still hearing it, yeah, and do nothing about it, you'll build your house on the sand. And I wonder sometimes if in my more activism kind of mentality, mm-hmm. I'm not even listening for what Jesus is saying so that I can't even build a strong foundation through my obedience on it anyways. Yeah, I'm good. more just interested in refuting what I thought was wrong. And um, I think the reform for me that I've recognized is important in a gathered group of people is um, to take them away from the natural human desire toward activism and bring them softly, guide them gently into reform. Mm-hmm. Because like it or not, you're part of the body of Christ, 
like it or not, you're part of the family of God. Yeah, that's good. Um, like it or not, you, this is your brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. Like it or not, yeah, you can't actually run away from it. Even if you leave the gathering, you still carry that with you. So reform is your only option. Activism doesn't work. It's hmm. good. So it's important to think about it. Like, yeah. I'm inseparably connected. Should you be dissatisfied with things in your church? Well, I don't know that you should be, but will you be? Yeah, I mean, you you will be from time to time, but what does yeah. family do? Do they, you know, get activated and operate as activists in something, or do they look for reform? Hey, I see Jesus maybe needing to be more a part of this, yeah. or more a part of that, and I think when we talk about Jesus, we can have common ground um, regardless, and I'm not saying that Jesus is doesn't have things he said do and don't do, but at the same time, like... The things we get activated about are actually secondary or tertiary most of the time. Yeah, They're yeah, not yeah. primary. Right. And they're preference-oriented and not core beliefs-oriented. Yeah, that's and good. So just an encouragement that I've had to remind myself to... I guess I've encouraged myself with this is like learning how to love those that are more like activists in, in a community and also like point people towards reform, which is a long journey. Yeah. Yeah, And it might not be accomplished in my lifetime. Right. And that's okay too. Like yeah. t- today matters, but I, yeah. and maybe I'll see results or not. But I just want to see Jesus become more a part of like the epicenter of why we do what we do all the way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good. I, it's funny. I never, I hadn't really put the term activist or activism into that, but I think that's a really relevant term, especially in this day and age. Um, but there is something really significant about in cuz you're a pastor so in leadership as you are shepherding and as you are leading um what that means and what does it mean to lead and what does it mean not to be kind of moses centered leadership where all this dep- you're not creating dependence on yourself but you actually are partnering with and collaborative with um and have multiple voices and diversity of gifts. So we'll talk about that in a second. But um, as you are leading and partnering with the other leaders that the Lord has brought up beside you, how to love people well, wherever they are on the spectrum, because this is a family, mm-hmm. right? And what I am passionate about and what, and what I see, the vision that I see and what is possible um, not everybody's going to be able to see that. Not everybody's going to be able to be excited about Some people are going to be threatened by that. Some people are going to be terrified of that. And how do you lead a group of people and create a safe place for everyone to be where they're at, but not to be satisfied where they're at and to actually lean into the Lord and be dependent on him and really seeking after his leading and his will and what he is inviting us to yeah it's huge um i think one of the biggest leadership mistakes that i stumble into all the time i'm I'm deeply empathetic a human being to a Mm -hmm. fault paralyzing fault at times um is that i i had to learn that i i needed to think for myself before i started to think for other people yeah. And true collaboration isn't me thinking for other people. Yeah, that's good. Um, but if I can think uh, for my own self, in other words, mind my own spirituality between myself and the Father, 
um, I think out of that foundation, I am now in an unthreatened, completely open and accessible way present with those that I'm leading alongside of. It's mm, good. And I think when you look at the ta- tapestry of gifts of the leaders that are around you, you would be a fool to think that you know better than them just because you have positional authority. Yeah, so good. I'm like, that's uh, probably one of the hidden lies in the fact um, or in the reality of being in charge yeah, it's is good. that you know better than everyone. Now, yeah. do you carry different things on your shoulders when you go to sleep at night, when you bear, quote, end quote, ultimate responsibility for an organization? Sure. Yeah. But that's secondary still yeah. to my relationship with the Father. And good. when all of those things are too heavy a counterbalance for my relationship with God, then I've already wandered outside of what God has for me. Yeah, and that's so why good. I feel the anxiety if I do and, and yeah. the brokenness. And then it manifests in misfiring leadership. Right. You know, and those sorts of things. So one is me and Jesus. Always has to be. Can't ever graduate from that. Yeah. And that gets into greater conversations about Sabbath and rest and also yeah. just like pace and those yeah. sorts of things um not trying to be a, a superhero we have one savior um, <laughs> those sorts of things but i yeah. think once you have that dialed with you and the father if that's possible it's an ongoing pursuit you have to fuel it all the time and try to find ways to do it then you're open for business for the other gifts to collaborate with you yeah it's good um so collaboration can't happen unless everyone puts their stuff on the table yeah and so i guess one of the ways i put my stuff on the table is by knowing it well with me and god Mm, and then i can share it i'm not nothing's hidden Mm -hmm. i'm easy to connect with to collaborate with yeah but also i kind of have learned over the years it used to be a negative expression that god's redeemed to look up to and admire every single person around the table and honor them and esteem them as higher than myself. Mm, Thank God for Philippians that says that that's what you're supposed to do because when I read those words, it wasn't about sacrifice for me when I read that. I actually Mm. felt like I found a home. I'm like, oh oh my gosh, like that's normal in God's economy. Right. And I felt like weak, disqualified, unusable, Mm. um, all of the above, any synonym there, um, in my own life, all growing up, I, I felt it's probably the wrong term because of what it calls, but I think it's the right term. I felt like impotent, like I had no ability to bring power to the table to lead or to guide or to shepherd anything. So for me, I think the reality is being open, accessible, me and Jesus, and then letting the the others and Jesus come to the table to have collaborative conversa- conversation. Yeah, it's good. Um, I think that's important because if I take my relationship with Jesus that serious, then I'm going to listen to you like you're taking your relationship with Jesus that serious as well. Yeah, it's good. Now it's not even about you and me. Right. It's about, I'm assuming because love hopes that, that you are mm-hmm. and I'm owned by love and my best expression. Am I really great at this? Sometimes, sometimes not. But I'm hoping that your deep times with Jesus that have been filled with picking up what he tells you to and laying down what he tells you to have led you to the conclusions that you're bringing to the table. And I think I'm always looking up at those around me, not down. I'm always asking, like, what can I learn? I don't care who it is on the team. The reason why I've met with people for 25 years across the table is because I believe I have something to learn from them. And that's not because I'm special. Like I said, it was something broken about me 
where yeah. I, I was looking for approval. Right. I'm not looking for approval at all anymore. I'm actually yeah. looking for Jesus in them, but yeah. I'm looking up at them with honor. Right. So at the highest level, really, that is what that you just defined spiritual community. Like yeah. if, if I'm tending to my relationship with Jesus and I'm coming to the table, assuming and hoping that you are too, and we're together yeah. tending that with one another in one another in ourselves. Right. Yeah. And as we do that, the overflow of that is going to be the ministry. Yeah. And we don't do that because we work together. Yeah. <laughs> so right. let me just like debunk that. Yeah. Whole madness so good. Because it's like, I hear people glorify communities all the time and it drives me nuts. Cause it's like, yeah, well, our community has this thing we're doing and we're yeah. just coming around this with God. And I'm like, sure. But like, my community wasn't here with me this morning when I was sitting in this shed on my knees. <laughs> yes. It was just me and Jesus. Yeah. So I'm carrying me and Jesus everywhere I go. And I'm assuming that the things God's put in my life to lead are there because of God, not because of me. And um, then I bring that back into community with the Father, with others, and with in that way. And I do think there's something about being alone with and then being with um, others in being with God. Totally. And that's that's the thing. It's not like, to have the best church, we all need to be doing this. Yeah, but like, it's a lifestyle yeah. that you have to commit to um, that's exhausting. Yeah. And it's just like anything important should exhaust you. Yeah. And I believe in it. And, you know, I, I can't measure how successful or not I am at it, but you know me pretty well. I mean... I'm always going to look in the mirror before I look out the window at everybody else. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the thing. Well, you know, it's love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Right. So we can't do the second half effectively or in a healthy way without the first. Hmm. Right. And so how do we take ownership of our, personal intimacy like i i taught on um talking about going back um just to the garden and tending the temple <laughs> you know we're the temple of the holy spirit now right like so in the garden the garden was a temple a form of temple adam and eve were tending the garden with god and then old testament there was the temple um that had to be constructed with priests that tended god's presence right and then the veil's been torn now so we're the temple but we have to tend it. We have to tend to his presence in our, our yeah. lives. Yeah. Um, it has to start there. I have to be willing. And I think in some way, so going back to our conversation of believers and communities having in a lot of ways abdicated their identity or, or whatever, part, that's part of it. I, I, a lot of people for a lot of years, and this isn't an accusation. This is just, I, I did it too. At various seasons are coming to church because I have a pastor that's going to tend to God's presence in me. Yeah. Right. So in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm making the price that Jesus paid of no consequence because I'm just reverting to a temple construct. I'm showing up on Sunday to get my time with Jesus. And then I'm going to go about my business and Jesus is calling us to this full integration. So if I'm not willing to tend to his presence personally, then I'm not going to have anything to bring to the community yeah. and to that communal expression of, of his body, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, if I'm not tending... So I, I, that service that you, you taught on the first, 
there were a few um, verses that you highlighted, 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3, um, and I would love for actually you to even unpack these a little bit. It's Second Corinthians says that you show that you're a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Um, and then there was Ephesians 2.10 and Hebrews 10.24 to 25. But I, there's something really significant about when I am tending that presence in my life, that intimacy with him, I'm yielding to him, I'm surrendered to him, I'm listening to him, I'm responding to him, and I'm receiving what he has to give me in whatever circumstance I find myself in, in my family, in my home, in my work, in my relationships, whatever. And then I can see him in those places and I can allow him to transform me and then I can testify Mm. to his presence. That does something that speaks, that ministers. So yeah, I don't know if there's anything there you want to share. Of course. Yeah, of course. I think the tending concept is is a a good concept to keep in front Uh, for another minute. I I do believe that um, from my experience that we all have a tendency Um, including myself, to sub out my spirituality to the governance of another human. Yeah. Um, And I say that knowing that Scripture also says that some were given to be pastors. Yeah. Which means overseeing um, in some way, shape, or form ecclesia, which is the gathered body of believers. Yeah. So there is an element there of shepherding, stewardship, eldering, pastoring, um, that is necessary, but not in the absence of personal responsibility for each yeah, it's good. part of the ecclesia. Yeah, it's good. The gathered body. And so I do think that there is an appropriate level of being surrendered to listen to and be guided by the teaching of God's word. Yeah. Um, faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God. If that comes through someone who's able to teach or prophesy or preach... or evangelize, then the reality is, even if someone has those gifts, pastor, teacher, prophet, whatever, whose gifts are they? Right. So are you listening past the person that's teaching you? Mm, It's good. Without assigning that person godlike value. Mm, It's so good. Which disqualifies you from having access to that same God Hmm. Who's said through the entirety of scripture, you know, very expressly in the book of Genesis, um, you know, about 14, 13 chapters in all the way through, um, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. (laughs) And that's all of us, all all of them. I mean, obviously we're grafted into that, says Galatians. Like, so we are a part of that same promise where God would constantly be doing that. So every person has access, just like a pastor, preacher, prophet, all of them, right? Evangelist and things. So there is an element of yielding to one another um, in some of those giftings, but they're the giftings of God in man. And yeah. so we can't forget that. Make disciples of Jesus, not of people. That's it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and uh, yeah, I could go on and on how people try and use their following and their fan base to create followers yeah um but that's our culture it's kind of ironic isn't it that yeah. everything's called followers now how many yeah. followers do you have I'm yeah. like, holy moly i know right Ew. get me out of here you know and it's just part of our culture now yeah but that language is actually pretty helpful 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's some of those things that are in there, like, it's okay, but in absence of my own personal responsibility, I have to be really, really careful that I don't go there. I'm not responsible. My pastor does it for me is not the right solution. Yeah, it's good. In fact, the more that you know, the deeper you'll walk away saying the teaching was. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it is funny how, you know, this is definitely a side note, but um, I heard someone the other day shared about someone's teaching, and it was, uh, they came up to him and were like, man, that teaching had no calories in it. And the guy was like, what? And he's like, it was all meat. That was a keto sermon. I'm like, what are you? <laughs> what is that? What do is you that? Mean? Yeah. I was like, why are we evaluating, you know, or like some of my buddies um, that you know as well, they would get like a rating from the congregation. That was a solid seven today, Pastor. I'm like, <laughs> right. oh my gosh. Thank you, yeah. Judge. <laughs> right. It's pretty yeah. nuts. Yeah. So anyway, rewinding back into the conversation, I just was thinking about those things a little bit. Yeah, leadership. And then we were talking about Paul talking about the whole body, that yeah. everyone has something to contribute. Everyone is part of this thing. And Second Corinthians 3, there's a, a context there where in Corinth they were asking the believers in Corinth. So the people that were resistant to the gospel were asking the believers in Corinth for a letter of recommendation about Paul who Hmm. had taught them this new gospel Hmm. so that they could authorize their teaching as legitimate based on the source. Interesting. Yeah. And they said, well, you know, it seems in the, in the text that's implying anyways, that they were like, yeah, so we need a, we need a letter of recommendation for you from you, Paul. And that was the letter that preceded second Corinthians. Mm -hmm. So Paul writes back in second Corinthians and he basically says, you guys don't need a letter. Like your lives have changed and you testify to that, not with Western theological narratives and and apologetics, Mm -hmm. but the way that you live your life as followers of Christ testifies to that. And he says this, that you yourselves are a letter of recommendation. And he said, in fact, you are our letter of recommendation. So you should be living this out. And um, Paul is basically saying, your life is that. But then he says this. He says, it's not a letter even written by man. Yeah. So I couldn't even write it if you wanted it. Yeah, um, But by the Spirit of God, not on tablets of stone, but on the heart, yeah. on flesh. And you're like, whoa, hang on, like rewind. Yeah, it's good. Because like when you look at that text, none of us can survive the reading of that without feeling like we're on the hook to live this stuff out. Yeah. But the real letter of recommendation isn't how well of a steward we've been with the things of Christ. It's how well we've allowed the word of God to become us. Yeah. So and good. to own us. And yeah. I think that's on me. Yeah. That's me and Jesus relationship stuff that I talked about in the beginning of this conversation. That's yeah. the being on your knees without the community there so that you can bring that with Jesus element into your community. Yeah. And I think what Paul is saying here is pretty plain when you look at the context. You're the letter of recommendation. You are the ones 
that are the authorization of the power of the testimony mm-hmm. of God. In other words, you're the ones that legitimize Jesus to everyone else yeah, based so on good. how you live. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's so good. That's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I'm moved by that. Um, in that you are our living letters, if you will. Yeah. You know? And yeah. It's interesting as you're talking, it, what popped in my head is something that we've said over and over again, just in churches, you know, I'm generalizing, but there's that kind of narrative or notion that, you know, Hey, we, we come together on Sundays to get filled up, to go back out in the week, but it's actually like, what if it was the other way around? Right. Yeah. That, it's me coming and being on my knees with Jesus and getting filled up so that I have something to bring Mm -hmm. to the community. Right. And how different would it be if I'm not falling into Sunday, but I'm actually running in there with, look at what God's done. Let Mm -hmm. me tell you, let me, let me tell you about the guy I just had a conversation with at a well. Let me tell you about what Jesus just did for me. Just the things, how he showed up, the things I even got convicted over, but received freedom from. Yeah. Now, Sundays or the community is completely different. Yeah. It's completely redefined, uh-huh. and it holds a completely different space and purpose. Yeah. Do the celebration for us through awesome music. Yeah, right. I'm like, well, what, what did, do you have a reason to celebrate? Yeah. Do I need to create that? Do yeah. we need to make that for other people? You know, Christianity, I think, if you were to look at it as like an entity, you know, it's, a, it's meant to be like subversive, like as a subculture, as a mainstream um, people get complacent. They get yeah. comfortable, right? Yeah, and good. if we lose that kind of subversive, like Jesus is the light, mm-hmm. the world is is full of darkness, um, and how Jesus pokes light through into the darkness is something that I can testify about. Yeah. And it's pretty incredible. Um, so looking at that, that whole passage, yeah, I mean, people should be showing up with stories about God's inbreaking. Mm, and testifying to his inbreaking, because mm, I think I that's that. that's what it's about. Yeah. Um, one and it, <laughs> will it ever wind up being that? I think so long as we're comfortable, it will stay like it is. Yeah. But the volatile environment that these letters from Paul to the churches were written in, and mm-hmm. the attack, the threat mm-hmm. that every single one of these guys was martyred. Yeah. That their people were constantly under attack and being abused and misused, that they were seen as aliens in the land. They had no citizenship. Paul, yeah. even through his theology, said there's no male, female, Jew, Greek, Gentile. Like all of their citizenship was replaced by heavenly citizenship, and yeah, they were in good. a world that was not their own. Mm-hmm. That Jesus said, Well, his kingdom's not from here either. Um, but they are isolated and they are a people who only have God. Yeah. You know, God was with them just like Moses. Yeah. I am will be with you. Yeah. And this was like a return in some ways to that. And you look at the gathering of the believers, whether it had to be done in secret or it could be done overtly, depending on where they were at. There was something driving them that their belief was a threat to the world around them. Yeah. And it's not where we're at. Yeah. It's actually we're the threat to the progressiveness of the world. Um, but in many ways, the church still holds old institutional power. Yeah. 
So the question is, do I overthrow the institution or do I just overthrow my life and make Jesus like the center and let him be the source of my desperate pursuing of his goodness in my life so that I carry within me a culture of desperation that's healthy, of dependence that's healthy, of sacrifice that is like utterly healthy and difficult but right. All of those things, like how do I revisit that? culture of the subversive nature of the church mm. back into my personal spirituality yeah it's, so so it's really hard yeah um because i know the moment i leave even this shed that we're sitting in right <laughs> yeah. here like i've got video games around the corner or bikes to go ride or a beach to go surf at or yeah. um, music to play mm. and I, I just believe that making our faith more fundamental more baseline to who we are is only going to reward us with that closeness with Jesus. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you wanted to bridge into the Ephesians 2:10 passage, I think God gives us the personal attention and touch to make us those letters. And yeah. Ephesians says that we're his workmanship. Yeah, that's good. Um another translation of that could be masterpiece. Mhm. Um but the word his goes before it all. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. Like, I don't want to be the workmanship of someone else's program or process. I want to be God's workmanship. So if it's a teacher that's teaching me, I'm looking for God in it. If it's a program I'm a part of, I'm looking for God in it. If it's a small group that I'm a part of, I'm looking for God in it. If yeah. it's a leadership that I'm a part of, I'm looking for God in it. If it's collaboration that I'm a part of, I'm looking for God in it. If it's gifted mm. expression in it and I'm receiving or giving my gifts, I'm looking for God in it. And yeah. those are kind of like the heartbeats uh, for me that kind of redeem the sacredness in all of those spaces. That's um, good. Yeah, I I think the idea that we're his workmanship, um, it's despite me yeah. in a sense, but it comes through complete surrender to recognize that, no, it's his workmanship. Um, I bear, like, the fingerprints of him. Yeah. You know, I'm not just adding you know, pointing to heaven after I score my fleshly touchdown. Yeah. Right? So it's, there's more there. Yeah, it's good. There's so much richness in this episode, and I want to listen to it several times. There's some really sweet nuggets in here, especially that last piece at the end. I want you to receive the reality that you are his workmanship, that you are God's workmanship, unique, uniquely gifted, crafted, dreamt up, thought of, woven and knit together. And I love what Justin said when he said, I don't want to be the workmanship of someone else's program or process. I want to be God's workmanship. So I want to challenge you. What's forming you? If you're sitting under a teacher, are you looking for Jesus? Are you looking for what God is saying? If you're submitting yourself to a program or a a study or a group are you being formed by Jesus by God by his presence and others what's forming you can we trust and believe 
that we are his workmanship and that he is perfecting and transforming and drawing us closer to him, to be formed by him, to embody him. So Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you made us for relationship, intimate relationship with you, and then intimate, healthy relationship with others so that we could spur one another on to good works, (laughs) that when we're we're in each other's presence, showing up fully filled testifying of your goodness and your grace, then we start to bring life to one another and minister to one another. And we are a reflection of you. So Lord, would you uh, draw us closer to yourself? Would we start not going to our church communities, trying to figure out what we can take and receive and just sit back like an audience, but can we show up? present, fully aware of the people to my left and to my right, listening to your voice, obeying your promptings to speak, to engage, to pray, to testify. Lord, 